Welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and science! You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is The Mandalorian Season 1 Nerd Out! I am your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda Ryan. Hey! I gotta put that in there, we're talking to Mandalorian. And the wild, yet elusive, Jetta. Hello! Folks, thanks so much for joining us again on another fun adventure. This week, obviously, we're talking The Mandalorian, but we'll be talking Jurassic Park's main characters in Jurassic World Dominion, apparently, are going to be very important to the story. Henry Cavill will play Superman in five to six more movies. Samuel L. Jackson is returning to play Nick Fury in a Disney Plus TV show. And mathematicians say time travel is possible and a whole lot more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, plus 10 nerd XP to you. Plus 10 nerd XP! <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks so much. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning some nerd XP. Nerd XP! But in the meantime, Jekka, what's nerdy with you? Besides, like, missing my cue? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know how to start. Anyways, um, so, ever since February, when my sister and I went in on a Nintendo Switch, and I began playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, Yes. It has been a long, long journey. And I am pleased to announce that on Saturday, September 26, oh. 2020, I faced off against Ganon and I beat him. And therefore, Woo! I have completed oh, wow. my first ever, not only Legend of Zelda game, but also my first ever video game. Ah, congratulations. It was. That that is an epic journey on uh uh that's an epic waypoint on one's nerd journey is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was it was so it was so hard. <laughs> like I was like, "Oh my gosh, that was a, that was a miracle I did it the first time around." <laughs> but I uh, had yeah. so much fun and I'm just like, "Can't wait to play it again." But first I'm like, "I need to play other games." Next on my list is to play Zelda Twilight Princess. So Yeah. Yeah, but I like after I finished the game, I like was texting all of my family and my friends and I was like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So Amanda stepped away because she's gonna go rescue the cat that we left outside. Oh, <laughs> so if you hear anything, if you hear doors opening in the background, that's what that is. So so we, uh, Amanda and I did something pretty cool with, with uh, the family and the kiddos. Uh, we actually uh, binge-watched all of Cobra Kai Season 1 and 2 in two days. <laughs> Holy and, cow! And, with your whole family? Yes. Yeah, with the whole wow. family. And, uh, well, you know, we weren't planning on that. Uh, you know, our, our, our oldest... 
Like we'd finish an episode and my oldest is like, we need to watch the next one now. We need to watch the next one now. I can't believe they left it off there. We have to watch the next one. And that's all she kept saying over and over again. So we just basically binge watched it all. And, and you know, I they're, they're, it is a little on the mature side for, for young kiddos. So, I, you know, fast forward in a few scenes and things. But, but uh, yeah, the kids loved Cobra Kai. And uh, and speaking of Cobra Kai, you know, we had we had to adjust out our podcast uh, topic calendar. And uh, and next week, you know, obviously this week we're talking Mandalorian, but next week we're talking Terminator one. But uh, we've decided to move up Cobra Kai. We're going to be talking Cobra Kai seasons one and two on October 12th. So if you haven't watched Cobra Kai already on Netflix, definitely do so. Um, and then coming up in the podcast calendar as well, we've got uh, Bob's Book Club on November 16th. Uh, the book that we're supposedly all supposed to be reading is The Shadow of What Was Lost. Um, I'm only like, you know, five pages in. Don't tell Bob. <laughs> yeah, don't don't tell Bob that I actually like I got it from the library, read the, first, yeah. like the prologue. And then I put it down in favor of Dune. So I could talk about the shadow of Dune that was lost. Yeah. Like I could try to. But oh, that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, <laughs> well, you know, we, there's only so much time in our in our in our nerd calendar. And uh, we just felt because because uh, Black Widow got pushed back to May 27th, 2021 now. <laughs> you know, we, we, we had to fill in our calendar because we had, we had, uh, just so you guys know, we, 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 wanted, we wanted to get ready for the Black Widow movie because we, uh, by, by watching Captain America Civil War roughly one month before the movie came out. So we had Captain America Civil War coming up, but now we got to push that back too. So, COVID, uh, go away. I know COVID. We we have changed our podcast calendar around Everyone so much. Be responsible. Yeah. Well, I think the movie the movie companies have been changing around their calendars yeah, way more. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. I think it's time to talk some nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. Ooh. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, Jurassic World Dominion director Colin Trevorrow says the original Jurassic Park characters, Dr. Alan Grant, you know, all of them, you know, Jeff Goldblum's uh, character, Laura Dern's character, they are all going to be very important to the story. So while recently talking about his upcoming film, Jurassic World Dominion director Colin Trevorrow opened up and uh, opened up about the film Jurassic World Dominion and says that the fans are underestimating the size and importance of Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and Laura Dern's characters in this story. You know, we've already heard that they will have decent-sized roles in the film, but his comments here really drive home the fact that maybe they're a real major part of this movie. Quote, uh, this is the movie that I've been waiting to make from the beginning. It's the one that we have spent the past two movies building up to. It really was part of a larger story and part of the design. And I think people may be underestimating the size and importance of Laura Dern and Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum's characters from the first Jurassic Park uh, movies in this movie. 
It is very much an, an ensemble, and that includes the ability to take these beloved characters from almost 30 years now and understand how they interact with each other in the context of a world that we've really never seen before and have not been able to witness until now. It's very exciting for me. I'm having the time of my life, end quote. So, you know, we still don't have any story details to share, but we do know that this next chapter in the story will feature a world in which dinosaurs have escaped captivity and are living free in the world, and it will explore how humanity is dealing with it. Also, Sam Neill previously said that this film will be the best yet in the franchise. You know, Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, all of them are coming back. Uh, but, you know, let's be honest, the main selling point for me is they're bringing back the original cast, and uh, it's going to feel like a, a real Jurassic Park movie. So Jurassic World Dominion is going to be opening June 11th in 2021. What do, what do you guys think about this? Um, I just, I'm just excited to see, like, <laughs> a part of me really wants to see our beloved original character, like Sam Neill and, you know... Jeff Goldblum, like their characters just rail into Bryce Dallas Howard's <laughs> character. Like, I just want to see yeah. that. For some reason, I want to see that happen and then be like, um, why are you trying to do this? Like, the dinosaur should have been left dead. Come on. <laughs> now we got to deal with this. Yeah. I'm just waiting. I'm just excited to see them kick butt again. Yeah. Some dino butt. Yeah. Dr. Alan Grant, Dr. Ian Malcolm, and Dr. Ellie Sadler. I had to think about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. For some reason, the only thing that keeps coming through my head is Jurassic Park is frightening in, in the, the dark. dark. Is that that's Weird Al, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, as you're talking about it, I'm just singing this in my head. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm excited funny. for Jurassic World, but that's all I can really think about right now. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Let's move on. Former Indiana Jones 5 writer has explained why he and director Steven Spielberg have walked oh, away no. from the film. Oh, no. So so Lucasfilm <laughs> has been trying to get a fifth Indiana Jones film off the ground and into production for years. And director Steven Spielberg and writer Devin Coop were developing the project. But after a few years of working on the project, they both dropped out. And Steven Spielberg was replaced by Logan director James Mangold. You know, obviously it's shocking, uh, you know, fans didn't see it coming. So what happened? Well, according to Co-op, the movie kept being delayed because no one could agree on the script. And uh, while talking to Den of Geeks, Co-op explained that everyone working on the project had a lot of ideas, but bringing all the ideas together for the script just wasn't working. And why he and Steven Spielberg stepped away and his thoughts on James Mangold taking over as director. So here's what he said, quote, you know, I tried a couple different versions with Steven and they all had some good stuff about them and they all had some stuff that didn't work, which happens, but it was just very hard to have everybody come together and have all the elements, Steven, Harrison Ford, the script and Disney come together at once. And it didn't. Uh, when, when James Mangold came in and Steven stepped out, Uh, That was a pretty logical breaking point. It's a a gracious time to step out as the writer uh, because I think the the last thing a new director wants is the old director's writer. I mean, that's a drag. The last thing you need is some guy sitting around with his arms folded saying, 
Well, the way Stephen would have done it is this. Uh, I had one nice, friendly conversation with him, and, and then I'm sure he wanted to be able to move on anyways. Uh, everybody was pretty polite, I thought. But the reason Indiana Jones movies are so difficult is because it's hard to be great. Uh, the first and third movies in that series are just utterly beloved, and utterly beloved is a high bar. So I did a couple versions of this last one that I thought were good, the last one in particular, but, you know, it didn't quite come together. Steven couldn't do it in the end and whatever. It just didn't come together. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But if there's going to be another Indiana Jones movie, I think James Mangold is a great guy to explore. It certainly... What he did with Logan was remarkable, and his love of the franchise, you know, he's a wonderful filmmaker. I think he has also has a relationship with Harrison. It was all the right pieces coming together at that time, end quote. So, so right now, the Indiana Jones film, if there's going to be one, is scheduled for July 29th, 2022. <laughs> so, so obviously, Steven Spielberg has been involved, if not the director, I believe he's been the director now that I think about it, of every single Indiana Jones movie, to include uh, the last one, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So it's, uh, it's a real shame to have him walk away from the series that uh, basically was built on all his creativity with uh, George Lucas. I don't know. What are, what are your guys' thoughts? I'm I'm just glad that they're trying to get it right. Because, you know, he he said that the first and the third movies are utterly beloved. And it's true. Like I be of all the Indiana Jones movies, the third one is my absolute favorite. And that is the one I compare the rest of them to. Yeah. And so the fact that they're trying to get it right, instead of just throwing together something and going with it, like that to me as a fan, I really appreciate it. You know, because when I heard they were coming out with a fifth movie, I was like, oh, boy, how's this one going to go? Yeah. You know, So I'm glad that they're trying well, to do it right, you know. Yeah, it, it was probably in Harrison Ford's contract. If he was going to come back and do Star Wars, then Disney also, also had to do Indiana Jones. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, honestly, the second movie really weirded me out. <laughs> and so the fact that the fourth one really weirded me out. I guess isn't as bad as I thought it now thinking back. <laughs> so uh, I'll give him a chance. But if it's another one that weirds me out, I might just have to go. Yeah. You know, the, the second one wasn't as bad as people probably remember it. You know, I, I feel like I watched it not that long ago. Oh, no, it's it's I, I Washed it in the last couple of years, it and just, it is very it much just, what, what I remember. Was it the monkey brains, or was um, it yeah, the uh, monkey brains, the human on. sacrifice? Yeah, it was. I remember, like, it was one of those things when I was little. My mom didn't want us to watch it because of the sacrifices of monkey brains and stuff. And then it wasn't until like a few years ago that I actually got around to watching it for the first time, and I was laughing. <laughs> I was like, so <laughs> easy, I was laughing. And then I watched the third movie because I was like, I need a good Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> so I watched the third one. Yeah. I, I remember having nightmares as a kid because of the second Indiana Jones well, movie. What, what is it about the first and the third one? Like, if, like, I mean, both of them were actually biblical-based adventures. So 
the the second one was not it was just a well, uh because they're going after something that was like mythological but historical at the same time yes the first one was the ark of the covenant and the yeah. third one was the holy grail you know but I, mean, I, I guess that's what my question was is is it because of those were the uh okay. macguffins so the the the, the things that if people he go were for? to go for a mythical historical um item from like let's say greece or a Roman item, it would be interesting. It would have that ooness to it. It it's the weird stuff, like the alien stuff. No, no, we wanted to see something more historical because that's Indiana Jones. Yeah, like so. It's the when- fourth movie, I was actually expecting something along the lines of like the Fountain of Youth, like they were searching Ooh. for the Fountain of Youth. Like that's what I thought that- they were going for, and then it turned like. I mean, because the crystal skull things, like it is something that's that they ha- archaeologists have found, and it is like a weird mystery. So they have found those, but the fact that it was it's like not, it's not very well known. It, I don't think it's not very well known. I just remember I looked it up because I was like, "What the heck?" and and I found out I was like, "Oh yeah, they have uncovered these weird like skulls that were like made of crystals that were shaped that way." Yeah. Um, so I don't think they could do the fountain of. I don't think they could do the Fountain of Youth because they did the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah, but but that was like so, what I was expecting was like a Fountain of Youth kind of thing. You know? Or um, the the City of Golds, um, yeah, El Dorado. Okay. That yeah, would have been Dorado. cool. Yeah, I was kind of that would have been El so Dorado. better. Yeah. Well, we better we better move on. Uh, it sounds to me like maybe we need to uh, throw Indiana Jones in as a uh, rewind main event. <laughs> we should. <laughs> Yeah, we we got we got some traction on that topic, but <laughs> moving on, uh, Henry Cavill might have signed a contract, a new contract to play Superman in five to six more movies. So we know that Henry Cavill has been in talks with Warner Brothers to reprise his role as Superman, and while it was reported at the time that there was no new standalone films being planned, two new reports have surfaced that say otherwise. Uh, According to sources close to both the Cultured Nerd and DCU News, Henry Cavill has reportedly signed a new deal to reprise his role as Superman in future DC films. They both go on to report that Cavill Cavill himself had pitched a new Superman film project that was widely praised by DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers. Apparently, they were so impressed that the deal they made with Cavill included three solo-ish films based on the actor's pitch and options for future cameos in other future DC films for a grand total of five to six more movies. So three of those would be Superman-based movies and then a few two to three more cameos. So, So the report goes on to say that they don't have any specific details to share regarding the three films, but... They can be anything from another solo outing to a prominent role in a Black Adam and Shazam film. Uh, You know, this is all just rumor for now, but Cavill previously has shared the kind of Superman movie he would like to make, explaining that comic story arc Superman for Tomorrow is his favorite Superman story. Quote, it is one of my favorite comic books. I would definitely like to tell a story like that. There's an opportunity 
to keep on telling Superman stories and getting them exactly right, showing the things like hope and joy and that wonderful power of his to make people believe in themselves. If you've never read Superman for Tomorrow, the story centers on a cataclysmic event that hits Earth and millions of people have vanished. No one is left unaffected, not even Superman. But after a year, Superman is left with many questions for a hero who tries to say to have all the answers. It's torture. End quote. So so we have no idea if this is the story that he pitched to the studio, but it certainly would make for an interesting film. I don't know. What, what do you think, uh, Jekka? Um, so does that mean that the cataclysmic event is Thanos snapping the Infinity Gauntlet? <laughs> it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? It happened because he's been left out of the loop because he's DC and not Marvel. Like, yeah, that would be rough, you know? <laughs> What are your thoughts, Amanda? <laughs> well, they'll make more Superman movies. We'll see if they get any good ones. So, okay. Behind the scenes, Amanda decided to just walk off right in the middle of this. I was a... trying to get the cat. I realized I still had treats I could try and get the cat. Uh, all right. Well, get, get the cats after the podcast. She just walks right in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> I did it discreetly to make no notice of it. And you had to make a point about it. I was quiet. Yeah, and I was polite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and anything about Superman, well, we'll see if they make a good one or not. <laughs> I, but, honestly, but, I was like five to six movies. That's so many. So I'm kind of glad that it's like three actual Superman and then like three cameo ones. Because I was just yeah. like, He's gonna be, we're going to see like an aging Superman or something. Does Superman get oh, old? Yeah, maybe. I don't even know. Do we get an old man Superman flying around? That'd be interesting. Oh, I would, I would see that. Fun. Jerry. All right, just to, just to fill in Amanda, uh, hope and joy, you know, that Superman brings, mm-hmm. that's kind of what Henry Cavill's hoping to bring in, in these movies. So so they're, they're getting rid of um, Snyder? Okay, anyway, moving on! Because he does not bring hope when Snyder does. <laughs> just moving saying. on, moving on. All right. COVID-19 has forced Star Wars Rogue One TV series director to leave. No! So Tony Gilroy... Sorry, someone's knocking on my door. Oh, funny. We're having all sorts of interesting distractions tonight. I kind of want to be quiet and see what happens. Hello, who's there? Anybody? Sorry, I muted you. You can say hi, Dad. Oh! <laughs> Hello, Jekka's dad. Jekka's dad, guest guest hosting on the podcast. <laughs> it's the podcast they do, <laughs> Super Nerd Podcast, every Monday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You didn't tell your dad. Oh, keeping That's secrets. That's funny. Anyway, no, you don't know how many times I told my family, like, "Oh yeah, I have my podcast on Monday," but they don't believe me. So. that's funny all right moving on moving on uh so tony gilroy who co-wrote rogue one the movie the star wars movie rogue one was initially set to direct lucasfilm's rogue one spinoff tv series for disney plus you know the cassie and andor one that stars uh Mm, diego luna 
Well, it, it was just announced that Gilroy had to bow out as the director due to COVID-19 related travel restrictions, which is Aww. which is kind of interesting. Like, I don't know what that is exactly. Uh, but but the good news is Gilroy, even though he's not going to be the director, he's going to stay on as a writer ex- okay. and executive producer. Uh, and the original showrunner, Toby Haynes, who, whose credits include Black Mirror, Doctor Who, Sherlock, uh, you know, he will replace him as the director. Uh, so he will helm the first three episodes of the series, this Toby Haynes guy. But apparently Haynes was already at the top of the list of directors who would have been brought in to direct future episodes, just not to start off the series. Uh, and since he was already in the UK, the team thought that this would make the most sense to just bring him on now to get the show started. So this untitled show focuses on rebel agent Andor, Cassian Andor, prior to the events of Rogue One in the early days of the rebellion against the Empire. The show has been described as a spy thriller, and it was also previously announced that Luna would return as Cassian Andor while Alan Tudyk is set to reprise his role as K2SO, the awesome K2SO droid from Rogue One. But uh, I don't know. Uh, So I I love how they're just kind of working with what they've got. And they're all working with people that are already in the show and working with the show. Um, I know that the COVID travel restrictions has to do with um, people leaving the U.S. to go to other countries. And so he could probably get over there later. Um, it's just a matter of getting past all of yeah. the requirements to travel. Yeah. Well, it sounds like maybe. Oh, go ahead, Virginia. I was going to say, yeah, like exactly what you said, Amanda. It's like he's not completely out. Like, I, it sounds like he can very easily come back on once the COVID 19 travel restrictions are lifted. So he's, he's not out, out. He's just not yeah. parting it off, you know? Well, if if I was to read between the lines, it sounds like maybe Disney's ready to uh, really move the production forward if they're needing the director there. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean that that's that's more, you know, like they're going to start filming. Yeah, I mean that that's more that to, to me that's uh, a big piece of news that's kind of just hidden between the lines there, uh, and, and I haven't heard anything else besides this right here, so. So I, I just, you know, it, it stinks that Tony Gilroy won't get a chance to direct it, but it's awesome that he's, the first few episodes. Well, yeah, but it's awesome that, you know, he, he's staying on as one of the writers. I mean, because he co-wrote the movie. Um, so, so I look forward to it. As always, Star Wars is awesome. Moving on. Reports are coming in uh, from some of the actors. That's they are saying the scale of production for Amazon's Lord of the Rings TV show is mind blowing. So fans of J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth have been extremely excited to see what comes of Amazon's one billion dollar epic Lord of the Rings inspired TV series. There's still so much we don't know about the series, but Galadriel actress uh, Morf- Morfid Clark. I think that's how you say her name, Morphid Clark, uh, recently talked a little bit about the production and teased the mind-blowing scale of it uh, in a recent interview with 
NME, she said, quote, I feel like I've got my fix of the massive stuff by doing Lord of the Rings. The amount of people working on this show is continually mind-blowing. One guy's job consists just of seeing how much dust reacts to footsteps and breath. That would never have even crossed my mind before. Other than something like Marvel, I don't think things could get much bigger than this. So the show's official Twitter account previously shared an image of a map teasing the setting along with two messages. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them in the land of Mordor where the shadow lies. As well as welcome to the second age. (laughs) So in Tolkien's mythology, the second age was the time in which the rings of power, including Sauron's one ring, came into existence. It was also teased that the film could involve the island of Numenor. Uh, The series will be shot, or is currently shooting, in New Zealand, and the studio has also announced that they're already moving forward on work for season two. Now, the question is, now this is an HBO show, right? No, this is Amazon. Oh, this is Amazon, that's right. Amazon Prime. So... I have to compare it to the other Lord of the Rings movies since there is that one guy who has to figure out how dust settles. Will they be able to keep the car out on this? Keep the car out? What are you talking about? Um, When the one of the Lord of the Rings films was released into theaters, theater goers could see the car driving in the background in one of the scenes. Oh, really? Yeah, first movie, it's when they're like, Sam and Frodo are leaving the Shire and there's like the field behind them. There's a car that totally, a truck that drove right by. Um, They they ended out in the movie so you don't see it in the movies. But yeah, it was like, it was there. (laughs) You know what? I... I, It was in the theater, not not on the home release? Yes, on the home release. You know what? You know, I'm I'm going back. I think I remember that actually. <laughs> I I think I actually remember that. What was it red? You know what? I it it's so funny because I know that was there, but I honestly don't remember it because every time that scene came up, I was so focused on Sam and Frodo that I never noticed it. <laughs> Even though I, I like would go in and I'm like, "Okay, hey, I'm going to watch for it." I just got so absorbed in the storyline that I never saw it. So I don't remember it. <laughs> Ah, it's okay. It's all good. But Amazon seems very, very intent to not let these things happen. So hopefully they don't have a um, a Starbucks cup incident yeah. like. like- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, hey, real quick. Uh, so the actress playing Gladriel, Morfred Clark, M O R F Y D D Clark. Like, look if you guys want, look her up on the internet. And uh, I gotta admit, like she, I think she looks like a real good Galadriel. Like she does, yeah, yeah. she does. She does look like a young Galadriel yeah. that you would expect. She does. Um, who's the actress that played Galadriel in the uh, movies? Keith I, Blanchett. Yes, Blanchett. Yeah. Uh, I know, don't think she made a good Galadriel. Really? No, I liked her. So to me, she looked too fierce, and. Now, Kate Blanchett is gorgeous, and they could have done her makeup differently. They could have done it differently, but she is supposed to be the most beautiful woman in the world. 
And they did not compliment Kate Blanchett's features to make her that. And that was my problem with the movies. <laughs> that was one of my big problems is okay. literally um, there's supposed to be this um, competition among two of the um, members of the ring party over who's more beautiful um, Gladriel or Arwen. Cause Arwen represents the beauty of the night and Gladriel is supposed to represent the beauty of the day. Wow. Well. I don't remember that part in the books. Yep, we'll have to reread the books then. It's settled. <laughs> oh darn! More super right, book list. Well, 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 uh, we'll look it up. I, I think she looks like a great Galadriel. Yeah. I think she kind of looks like a, a young Kate Blanchett. Uh, it, it works. It works. So, anyways, moving on. Check this out, guys. Samuel L. Jackson is set to reprise his role as Nick Fury in a new Marvel TV series for Disney Plus. So, so. We, you know, we don't have any details on what this Nick Fury TV series will entail or, or any story information, but Variety, a pretty reliable source, is saying that Jackson is attached to star as Nick Fury in the Nick Fury TV series. And uh, Kyle Bradstreet from Mr. Robot and Copper is set to write and executive produce. So, so even though we don't know anything about what this new Marvel series will entail, it's it's exciting that we're going to see Nick Fury back in action in a new adventure. You know, like like, like all these Marvel shows that are being developed. One thing we do know is that whatever story it tells, it's going to tie into the future films of the of the Marvel franchise. So the last time we saw Nick Fury was in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, and uh, and he was on a scroll ship in deep space. So, so I don't have a clue where they're going to take this series then. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm just happy yeah. Samuel L. Jackson's coming back. Like, he is a phenomenal actor. I, I almost made a comment of, like, maybe they'll somehow bring him back to life for, like, Jurassic World Dominion. We'll get Arnold back. But I was like, no, he was eaten by a doctor, so. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was a noticeable, like, there was a very noticeable lack of, uh, of Samuel L. Jackson when Nick Fury's character went into hiding in the MCU. And, and he was gone for, like, like eight, nine movies in a row or something like that. It was just like, uh, we need some Nick Fury. And I, now we're going to yeah. get a whole entire TV show of him. So yeah, even in All Marvel's right. agents of shield, like he, he, he was kind of like in the first season and then disappeared. In yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. He was for a little bit. Yeah. Well, that the, the reason why he disappeared is because, uh, uh, Captain America winter soldier came out. And so they had to get rid of his character, you know? Yeah. So, Anyway, moving on, dude, check this out. This is crazy. Thanks to Uber Eats, we might have just gotten the closest thing to a Star Wars versus Star Trek movie we will have ever seen. Uh, the company <laughs> the company has released a great new commercial that sees Star Wars star Mark Hamill, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker, a.k.a. Face Skywalker. off. Yeah, Sorry. face off with Star Trek star Patrick Stewart, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. So so Hamill is armed with a baseball bat and Stewart is armed with a cricket bat. And there's a lot of tension built up between the two actors because of how each of them pronounces the word tomato or tomato. So let's take a listen. This is a, This is pretty fun. Tonight? I'll be eating a veggie cheeseburger on ciabatta. 
No tomatoes. Tonight, I'll be eating four cheese tortellini with extra tomatoes. So it's come to this. Thank you. Bravo. Careful, Hamel. Daddy's not here to save you. Oh, I am my daddy. Wait, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> there we go. So it's also, so it's a fight over the pronunciation and also whether to eat the tomatoes or not. <laughs> sure, but yeah, I mean. True, yeah, because Mark Hamill says no tomato and then Patrick Stewart is like extra tomato. <laughs> Yeah. No extra tomato. Yes. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Yep. Yeah, just I am my dad. He's <laughs> like, wait, what? And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I I watched this commercial like six times just because it was so uh, so uniquely awesome and nerdy to see Mark Hamill and Patrick Stewart on the same screen at the same time. You know. I just love of the American actor with the baseball bat and the British actor with the cricket bat. Yeah, I just love that touch. <laughs> Those Fun stuff. They're like kind of similar, but so very different, but are just so iconic to the cultures that they're a part of. I love it. Yeah. It was such a nice touch. All right, moving on. Check us out. If you could time travel, would you go back in time to fix twenty twenty? Well, two mathematicians are saying time travel is possible, but they don't know how to do it. So two mathematicians mathematicians claim the logical inconsistencies thought to lie at time travel's heart doesn't exist. And therefore, it's theoretically possible one might be able to travel back in time and change reality. But... Your changes may bring about the same results nonetheless. So uh-huh. University mm-hmm. of Queensland's right. mathematician Germain Tobar said, quote, Einstein's theory of general relativity predicts the existence of time loops or time travel where an event can be both in the past and future of itself theoretically turning the study of dynamics on its head uh, many have been quick to point to the so-called grandfather paradox as a reason as a reason such travel can't occur which is if a time traveler prevents their grandparents from meeting they will never exist and therefore never be able to prevent the encounter but tobar was inspired by the equations Einstein created to describe these time loops in classical and quantum gravity. He and his supervisor, Dr. Fabio Costa, shows there is no logical requirement for time travelers to be prevented from making non-trivial changes. Quote, say you travel in time in an attempt to stop COVID-19's patient zero from being exposed to the virus, Costa said. However, if you stopped that individual from being infected, that would eliminate the motivation for you to go back and stop the pandemic in the first place. You might try and stop patient zero from becoming infected, but in doing so, you would catch the virus and become patient zero, or someone else would, Tubar said. Uh, although you might change history, it would only be in such a way that events unfold 
and you would still want to make such a journey and avoid any paradox. Uh, Tobar added that his work provides no guidance on how to time travel. Nevertheless, it could prove useful in other ways. The, the quest for quantum gravity, the theory that could unify general relativity and quantum mechanics, is a modern physics holy grail. And Costa told uh, IFL Science that while the paper does not directly assist in finding quantum gravity, the different frameworks for dynamics developed in the paper could be applied to that research. Okay. So I'm going to share what a biology professor had on their door. Okay. It was a little comic. It said, if it's green and squishy, it's biology. If it explodes, it's chemistry. If it doesn't work, it's physics. <laughs> Jekka, you, you work in the you work in the college uh, industry. That, that'd be a good one to take home with you. Oh my gosh, yes, <laughs> I have seen that before, and I'm like, I really do need to put that up in our suite because, like, especially in like the suite where I am, like all of the advisors that advise for those majors, those branches of science, like we're all together in one area. So I was like, that would be good to put up. I need to find that. <laughs> Oh, but I like I know. when you're like reading through all of that, I was just like, Tenet. <laughs> Did you not when watch Tenet, man? Marty has this figured out. We just got to catch up with him, you know? Uh, may- Maybe, ooh, maybe Christopher Nolan tenant his own uh, future past. Bump, bump, bump. And with that, it's time to move on to our main event. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park? And with that bell, it's time for the main event! Mandalorian Season 1 Rewind! Woo! Oh boy. Hey, let's get this going. You hear that? Oh yeah. All right, folks. Hey, special shout out to all you super nerds who have subscribed to the podcast. We really, really appreciate you guys. Please help us get the word out. Tell a friend about the podcast. And I also want to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd XP. Nerd XP. That's right. So... You know, man. I think Mandalorian was nominated for like 18 uh, Emmys, and uh, in this song right here, uh, written by its composer, won one of the enemies. Oh. And I've had this song stuck in my head because not only, not only did Amanda and I completely binge season one and two of uh, the mandal or, or one, uh, season one se- no, no. season one <laughs> you can't binge season and two of cobra kai of cobra kai we also binged all of season one of the mandalorian too we've been watching a lot of tv the last few days nice yes so i have to share what our true nerdy moment was all right and it wasn't cobra kai and our kids watching it the true nerdy moment was when our kids who are quarantined because they had to get tested for COVID. So we quarantined them into one of their bedrooms, gave them a TV and said, stay there and don't get us sick. (laughs) Um, Anyway, 
So we're watching season one of The Mandalorian, and one of my kids comes downstairs to go to the oh, bathroom. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all our kids are charging down the stairs, accusing us of watching season two without them. Yeah. <laughs> like, nah, it's season one, dude. Relax. Oh my gosh, that is so cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so now you know why we've been binging a lot of TVs, because uh, the kiddos are all quarantined, so. <laughs> Have you guys? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask if you guys gotten any of the results back, but no, they were supposed yet. to come back today, oh, but oh, they didn't. Oh. You're yeah. crossing my fingers for you. Oh, uh, we're, we're we're sure they're okay. I mean, but by they're they're all running going by crazy. By the time and... they get the test back, they're gonna be completely over it. <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna come back yeah. negative. Yeah, that's that's how it is gonna work for real. So obviously, we want to talk the Mandalorian because uh, Mandalorian season two uh, is coming out in roughly a month's time, October thirtieth. You know, last week we got season two trailer, um, and, and and this is an exciting time. We we got we got season two coming out, but you know it all it all started with this first season, and and you know. This was a big risk on Lucasfilm's part. I mean, George Lucas himself had been talking about creating maybe a Star Wars live action TV series all the way back in like 2005 after Revenge of the Sith came out. Oh wow. They were just waiting, yeah, they were just waiting for, you know, technology to kind of uh, catch up, up and, yeah. and and make the production process more uh affordable because I remember George Lucas back in the day was saying uh, part of the reason why they couldn't do it is because, you know, making even just like a 30 minute episode was like getting into the um, getting into the the movie uh, budget. And, and you can't do that for every single 30 minute episode, you know. And uh, uh, but, you know, fast forward 15, 14, 15 years later and technology has caught up and they can do it. And uh, and they did it great. I mean, The Mandalorian season one was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's so funny. Like I was, I was surprised by it. Granted, I actually had to go back and binge watch it because when it was coming out was when I was trying, I was studying for the GRE. So I was like so mm. torn because I really, I really oh, wanted yeah. to watch it. Like, and, and this was before I watched any of like Clone Wars or Rebels. So I was just like wanting to watch it. Cause it sounded like, you know, it was Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, I want to see it. And like, Although I didn't at the time understand exactly what Mandalore was, like I appreciate it now thanks to Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, but like I was still enjoying it, but I was so torn because I was trying to study for the GRE and watch <laughs> a Star Wars TV show at the same time. And like it was so hard. So as soon as like I took the GRE, I just sat down and like binge watched The Mandalorian. Yeah, and, and I was it was much nicer that way. So I'm not taking the GRE this time around, so I can actually like, enjoy <laughs> it when it comes out yeah. this time around. Yeah. Well, you know, one one thing that um one thing that was also different about this show, and and I and I think it actually added to its tremendous popularity. It was they only released one episode at a time. Yes, mm -hmm. one episode. one, and we haven't. We haven't had that since, you know, before Netflix days, you know? Well, there are there are streaming services that have tried to do it one episode at a time. Like, Amazon has done that. Well, Hulu's done sure. it. I know Hulu's done it. Yeah. And so, 
we just felt it more, I think, with The Mandalorian because we cared and wanted to binge it. Well, not not just that though. I think um I think the baby Yoda uh hysteria really mm. benefited from the actual one episode at a time format because I remember back when it came out, people were just saying things like, you know, like I swear if if baby Yoda's harmed, I say we riot in the streets, you know. <laughs> I remember I remember stuff like that being said all the time whatever. Poor poor J- um Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, oh my God. So, You're... the context to that is he he forgot he hit Baby Yoda. Yeah, he was a he was a scout trooper that hit Baby oh, Yoda. That's right. <laughs> so, so if you don't know who that is, uh, Fred uh, or Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus, uh, Ted Lasso is the scout trooper that punched Baby Yoda, and uh, yeah, his. Uh, he 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 had forgotten that he had done, he had done that and uh and he started getting a lot of like little hate mail from like like his his kids friends and things <laughs> his wife came in yeah. and was like you're canceled <laughs> so. Man. he's like what i do <laughs> so yeah just funny stuff oh you saying that though about the writing so shortly after the mandalorian came out like my mom came so my family's christian we're religious and all that and my mom came across this picture of Jesus holding baby Yoda <laughs> and, <laughs> and she posted it on the fridge and my aunt saw it and she's like, isn't that blasphemous? And my mom's like, Jesus loves everyone. <laughs> 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 so we had Jesus holding baby Yoda on our fridge. <laughs> Oh, wow. Now, now I really, really, really want a picture of Obi-Wan with the beard holding Baby Yoda. Because the picture of Obi-Wan has been used so many times to mess with highly religious people. That don't know Star Wars very well. So, yeah. And and pictures of Qui-Gon Jinn, too, if I remember correctly. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, okay. All right. So, so what, what it was... What was it about the Mandalorian uh, that worked so well? Like, why why did this TV show become like the huge popular uh, okay. show that it is? So, first of all, let's get to the actor actors who played the Mandalorian. Because, mm-hmm. excuse me, wasn't there three different actors? Well, there there was uh, two stunt doubles. One was uh, Brandon Wayne, who is the grandson of John Wayne. Uh, and then the other one, I'm having a brain fart. I can picture him. Uh, and then there was um, Pedro Pascal himself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but but um, but uh, Brandon Wayne actually was in the suit the most because he had starred in a lot of different westerns and rode on horses and did a lot of the stunt stuff. But like the things where you know, Mando's flying through the air and doing fight scenes. That was the other dude, the other African-American stunt double. And then, you know, smaller scenes with uh, Pedro Pascal. Um, So the big thing is all of those actors did a phenomenal job creating the ability to express emotion with no yeah. facial expression yeah just body movement yeah it's and yeah keep going that pulled pulled you in because like it made you focus that much more because you couldn't see it but you could 
feel it through the body language. And they did a phenomenal job with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic acting right there. And then I just, I also just love the overall storyline, how, you know, man, the Mandalorian, he goes off for a job. Um, It's a job that is supposed to pay well in Beskar armor. And he realizes like what he thought was a 50 year old man was not a 50 year old man, but like a baby, you know? And right then he chooses to like protect it instead. And so it kind of like, I just like that, how it just kind of like that one choice where he decides to protect it instead of turn it in and collect the bounty and move on. He collected the bounty and then then went back for it. Yeah. Because that's how you do it. That's a real bounty hunter. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what I like. This whole thing of him trying to like take care of a little baby thing, you know, like it's baby Yoda, but it's like a little baby. And he's this hardcore, like, unbeatable bounty hunter. Like, it takes a lot to take him out. I've, I've, like, in watching it, I'm like, the only time where he really gets, like, seriously beaten up is when he's facing off against animals. Like, he gets, yeah. Oh, yeah. He can take down people, but when it comes to the animals, like, he gets creamed by them. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah, I, I do think it's funny that the, the blurg which ends up being just like their horse. Yeah. Like gave him like like the biggest beat down. <laughs> no. At the very beginning of uh I think it was episode 2. Yeah. But you know it well you know we were talking about their acting skills um in that armor and that scene in which uh he's in the cockpit and he is weighing the decision on do I go on this bounty uh, and follow the guild rules or do I go and save baby Yoda? Like the whole scene was played out so well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know exactly what's going on. And it wasn't just his armor. Like they set up the scene well with uh, baby Yoda playing with the knob. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. the knob missing, like, like caught him off guard. And, and you, and you realize he was already kind of thinking about it. And it just, just that was the trigger that made him go, all right, I gotta do something. And, and you can see the guilt that through the body language yeah. which was phenomenal yeah yeah and and that was like what the third episode yeah it, was, yeah. Like, it wasn't Just even halfway episode. through it and he like made that decision and that's that's what i really and that's the other thing i liked about it too was it it there weren't really any filler episodes um yeah like i was thinking the one episode that felt close to being a filler episode but at the same time was marvelously done that it's like one that i really enjoyed is when they introduce um oh my cara dune yeah cara dune like really the whole point of that whole episode is to introduce cara dune and show you just how boss awesome she is but it's really yeah. just like it, it really to me i was like in the sense of the plot line this is like a filler episode but at the same time, it's one of my favorites, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it had a lot of character development in it, and I really liked that. So I would like to thank John Favreau for having a plan and creating the plan and knowing where you're well, going. Well, yeah. actually, let me back up. <laughs> I, we would like to thank John Favreau for having a plan that involved bringing Dave Filoni in Ooh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, letting Dave Filoni basically be co-creator of this thing. So, so, you know, one thing that was interesting about this is, um, you know, they kept a lot of things tight lipped around the set. Like this whole baby Yoda thing was pretty tight lipped, but 
but I do remember very specifically hearing rumors that the show was going to be about a bounty hunter who has to protect a baby. And I remember that actually getting leaked. And I remember reading that. And as soon as, as soon as the uh, baby Yoda popped up, I immediately realized that the rumor I heard was true. And the only reason I bring that up is because, you know, obviously we're talking Mandalorian to prep for season two. I haven't heard any real solid rumors about season two. Like it's been really tight lipped. It's like, there's so many rumors going around. It's like, it's like as if they're doing the opposite. They're like trying because I feel like there are a lot of rumors, but you don't know which ones are even remote. Well, yeah, that true. might be the case. And so yeah. I feel like we we're getting kind of like a fire hose of rumors, yeah. So that when like we don't know what's going to be real, what's not, like what's going to be actual or not, well, you know. It keeps us talking about it without any. Com- <laughs> it it keeps us talking, but they haven't actually revealed anything. And if a rumor does get leaked, maybe they put out like five yeah. more rumors at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe there are a lot of rumors. It's just hiding in plain sight. And we don't know what is what. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I got a question. I, I, oh. I have to go to the rumors okay, of poor Bryce Dallas Howard, who had her kids on set when she filmed the episode you were talking about, um, which introduced Cara Dune. Mm-hmm. And every morning... After that, when she would send her kids off to school, she would stop her kids and say, what do we not talk about? (laughs) And we don't talk about baby. And she did this every morning for like months. (laughs) And so I don't know if it was worth bringing her kids on if you have to do that. Well, she was so paranoid about any leaks coming from her house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so finally, when the episode came out, and she's like, "Oh, you can talk about baby now," and they're like, "No, we can't talk about baby." Yeah, really. <laughs> she's like, "No, it's okay. Everyone knows now." <laughs> so speaking speaking of the baby, I've, I've got a question. Okay, so when we in the first episode, when IG Eleven and the Mando are standing in front of the baby, it sounded to me like IG Eleven only had instructions to terminate the baby. But Mando had instructions to bring it in alive or terminate it for a lesser fee. Do you, do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. I do remember what, that. It, yeah, because it, that's why he shot IG-11 because IG-11 was going to terminate the baby. Yeah. And so, I, so I've so i always kind of wondered about that. I, I've never really mentioned it out loud. But like, do you think I'm reading too much into that? Or, or was okay. there something so, going on that? Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, his character... I'm trying to remember Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. Gideon. Yeah. Okay, Moff Gideon probably had multiple underlings that wanted to get Moff Gideon what he wanted, which was either a dead baby or a live baby. But it, it's kind of different underlings will go to different methods. Well, maybe. Or I wonder if there's like competition and like, because Moff Gideon, like they wanted, they mostly wanted baby yoda alive they wanted the baby yoda alive so they could like do that like distract the uh, stuff and so it makes me wonder like if maybe there's another force out there that will meet if not in season two then maybe a later season that is also after baby yoda but with the intention to kill him you know and i feel like it would be something tied into the fact that baby yoda 
is are like strong in the force and is using the force you know it's like maybe there's like a yeah. rogue inquisitor running around um the inquisitors are like the like sith like kind of sith underlings they were helping darth vader go around and like round up the jedi and kill them or bring them in and burn yeah. them kind of thing so it like makes me wonder if maybe there's like a rogue inquisitor still running around or something like that well well i i think I think we mostly agree that the reason why they wanted the baby is because of his his uh, force ability. Yeah. And when they when they talk about extracting the whatever, they got to be talking about the midichlorians. Yeah. And so, so Amanda, I don't know if you remember this, but you had a real good theory leading uh, up to uh, yes. Revenge of the Sith um, or or. or uh, Rise of Skywalker. Um, they wanted to steal um, Baby Yoda's Force juice and <laughs> give it to the Emperor. And give it to the Emperor, and that made, that helped yeah. the Emperor rise. Ooh, that is a good theory. And mm-hmm. and maybe Moff Gideon is somehow working with the Sith uh, Oculites, is that what they, or, the, or the Sith uh, the Sith groupies that are hanging out on Exegol. <laughs> <The groupies. laughs> The, the Knights of Ren, or the, become the Knights yeah. of Ren. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I th- I like that theory because it helps explain how maybe Palpatine could come back. But but another theory I've, I've I have is maybe they're trying to extract the midichlorians to see if uh, that. God, Moff Gideon is trying to put the midichlorians in him to help him gain stronger stronger force abilities and maybe that's part of the reason why Moff Gideon has the dark saber because he's trying to basically turn himself into like a Sith slash Jedi now that there's this great power vacuum of force users you know all I'm gonna say is it's still all about um, stealing the baby um, baby Yoda's <laughs> force juices yes <laughs> Well, I think that we agree on, but yeah. uh, but you know, speaking of Moff Gideon and uh, all that, uh, you know, see, obviously, season two is right around the corner, and Giancarlo Esposito, aka Moff Gideon, uh, you know, he's been like the biggest source for all of these season two rumors and all that, and uh, recently he talked with people about the upcoming season. Uh, let's take a listen. The next season of Mandalorian is going to be very interesting because you're going to start to find out the power of the child, what the pa- what the child really means. You will also start to uncover uh, the origins of the dark saber that Moff Gideon has and how that plays into previous Star Wars history connected to the Clone War- Wars and other shows. And you'll start to get a real um, dramatic sense of the territory. Um, we're living in a universe that is, you know, just huge and so much to explore. So I think uh, this show is going to start to lay the groundwork for the depth and breadth that's going to come in season three and season four, where you're really going to start to get answers. Thank you. Seasons three and four. Oh, snap. That's the, that's the first we've heard of that. I mean, I think we could probably uh, assume that, but. Well, I, I really appreciate how I can see the groundwork for all that's coming. Like you can see that they worked really hard to set it up for a long-term story. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 Like it, it was so funny. Cause when I, it, it was funny. Cause when I first watched it in that end scene, when Moff Gideon cuts out of the tie fighter with the dark saber, 
my friend who's like he's seen all the clone wars and rebels he kind of like freaked out he's like oh my gosh it's the dark saber i was like what 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 is that you know and then I, yeah. I became more educated after watching clone wars and um rebels you know and so binge watch like now every time i watch that scene i'm just like oh my gosh it's the dark saber you know like the symbol of power <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like I and, and yeah. that there, what he said about like diving deeper into the origins of the dark saber. Like I'm like, that's pretty cool. It's like it's like a dark Excalibur in a way, you know. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Like I'm kind of I'm excited to see how they explore that. Well, it it was created by a Mandalorian turned Jedi way back in the uh, early eras of of the Republic. Yeah. If I uh, so. Yeah, so uh, so I've got a couple other clips I want us to listen to because if we were to you know talk about Mandalorian season two and what's to come, uh, there, there's two scenes in the last episode of Mandalorian season one. One in which Mando is talking to the armorer, and I think that really sets up season two. In fact, they even use a part of this clip uh, in the opening scene of uh, the season two trailer. And then I want to also um, go over the the last conversation that Mando, uh, Cara Dune, and Grief Karga all have, um, and and that that gives us a little uh, glimpse into maybe what those three characters are doing uh, as well. So let's let's listen to uh, Mando and uh, the Armorer right now. Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. This is the one. This is the one that you hunted, then saved? Yes. The one that saved me as well. From the mud hole? Yes. It looks helpless. It's injured, but it is not helpless. Its species can move objects with its mind. I know of such things. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi that fought with such powers. It is an enemy? No. It's kind we're enemies, but this individual is not. What is it? It is a foundling. By creed, it is in your care. You wish me to train this thing? It is too weak. It would die. You have no choice. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. You expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature and deliver it to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. Hey. These tunnels will be lousy with imps in a matter of minutes. We should at least discuss an escape plan. If you follow the descending tunnel, it will lead you to the underground river. It flows downstream toward the lava flats. I think we should go. I'm staying. I need to help her and I need to heal. You must go. A foundling is in your care. By creed, until it is of age or reunited with its own kind, you are as its father. This is the way. You have earned your signet.
are a clan of two. Thank you. I will wear this with honor. So, so what stood out to you? What, what insights do you think? There, there's something I, I caught there that I haven't, I never really uh, realized before. What was that? Um, she calls Mando uh, Baby Yoda's uh, father. Mm. You are as a father now, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she said, until you reunite him with his fa- his own kind, or he comes of age, you are as his father. Yes, Shack, like sh- pretty much like shackled him with that responsibility. Like, nope, you you committed. It's like it's like as if she was saying, you know, you went back and you saved it. This is the consequence of it. Like, and, and it's like I like that because he didn't think of it that way. He didn't realize like, oh, by saving this creature and taking it on, I am now fully responsible for it as a yeah. father. You know. So do, you, so do you think? In, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just going to point out that he's going to die before Baby Yoda is oh, of well, age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Baby Yoda will become of age at year 217. Yeah. And but, so, like, he'll oh he'll die in the teenage like oh the yeah. preteen kind of age. Yeah. That's yeah. when he'll die. Is when he's when Baby Yoda's yeah. going through preteen. So so. So do you think in season two we might see a more fatherly, a fatherly uh, Din Dijon Mandalorian baby Yoda relationship? He's already fatherly. Well, no, he's he's a he's like he's like Terminator two protector. He's reluctantly fatherly. Yeah, but no, but but he handed he... the 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 knob, the knob. It was fatherly. Yeah, but are we going to see like? We're going to see them playing catch out back no, or something. No, no, I, you aren't going to tame, change him. You're not going to change him. He was already as fatherly as he could be. Well, I mean, he, he might, he might teach him some, some lessons. I, teach him. I can like, don't him. choke Kara. Yeah. <laughs> don't choke Kara. Or like maybe even like teaching him how to like channel that power. I don't know. Like, I feel like. The fatherly aspect of it is going to be a continu- continuation of what we saw in the first season of that kind of like, oh, stop doing that kind of thing. But I don't know. I feel like it's going to be on a different level. Like, I don't know. I, it's like, that's just what I feel. I, like, it's going to be a continuation of that, but it's not going to feel like a repeat. You know, it's going to be like on a different level. So we already know one thing that he, that Baby Yoda has been taught to do. Close the little capsule himself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he has been taught something very useful. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Now, if we could just do that to 2020. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. I love that meme that shows him like uh, sitting there and it's like the next month in 2020 and he's like, nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that meme. Oh, yeah. So so what, what else stood out to you from that that clip we just listened to? Anything else? So I remember watching it the second time and thinking, because I, I don't know what it is. The first time I watched it, I like the signet. I just didn't get it. I'm like, how is that a number two? And then I realized because we binged it, it was the mudhorn. Is that he finally got the mudhorn signet? Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice. I didn't realize that. 
Yeah, it's it's the mud horn. It's like a side profile of the mud horn's uh, head. Um, interesting. And and you know what's interesting about that is when she did that, she said that they're now he's now they're now a clan of two. And like when you go and look at like you know Star Wars Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, you know when there's a group of Mandalorians together, uh, you know a lot of them will have the same signal or uh, uh, symbol. Like I'm thinking of Death Watch, no, for example. Yeah, it, it really is like the and that's like I think I've mentioned this before and I'll say it again, but the big thing that I've really enjoyed that like the reason seeing Mandalorian watching Mandalorian after watching Clone Wars and Rebels is I feel like of all the uni- like the worlds you see and encounter in the Star Wars universe, like Mandalore has the most culture and it's because like they're all in clans. And it's kind of like going back to that, like almost it's like a tribalistic, they're having civil wars, they're fighting with each other. Um, and then you have the Grand Duchess just trying to keep the peace as much as possible between all the clans, you know, like I just like it was the thing that I liked yeah. most. And so, like, you know, after watching Clone Wars and Rebels and then watching the Mandalore, the Mandalorian, I was like, I see why they would pick a Mandalorian to focus on because there's like so much culture there that you just don't get in any, like, I just feel like you don't get anywhere else. What you're missing is that the world building of Mandalore was partly because of the fan obsession with Boba Fett. <laughs> oh. And so there is a, there was an obsession before um, for a long time of Boba Fett. You know, you that you make a good point. Yeah, I remember and like so lots of Star Wars they, costumes at Halloween of Boba Fett. Oh yeah, so they built it out. They, they built out the culture of Mandalore for us to see, and it's one of the few worlds that they have allowed us in to see that. Well, um, I'm wondering if we are literally seeing the birth of a clan, and and man uh, or Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, is the clan leader throughout time and history. And I'm wondering if we'll see other Mandalorians wearing that same clan designation of the the mudhorn symbol. Well, um, in future in future uh, episodes or in future, you know, stories long gone from you know outside of yeah. this you know time and era. They'll speak of Din Djarin in the way they speak of uh, Mandalore, who kind of, you know, popped up all the Mandalorians. So will he basically rebirth the Mandalorians together as a unified group instead of small pockets throughout the galaxy? That'd be interesting. Yeah. And they they all start wearing the uh, mudhorn symbol. Um, I... I don't know, but I really, really hopeful that we get to see Sabine and he and Sabine kind of rebuild the Mandalorian does Sab- people. Does Sabine? So Sabine was a Mandalorian from uh, Star Wars Rebels. If, if, if mm-hmm. uh, you do, if you did not know that, but did she have a symbol? I'm trying to remember. She had one, right? Yeah. But I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what it was because she came from a clan that was like one of the leading clans. Because I think like. Bo-Katan, who became the Duchess, like, she was, she was related to her, I thought. Like, she was related, like, she's, like, rookie, pretty much. Like, in the big scheme of Mandalore, she, she is, like, royal family kind of thing. So, So Sabine. Deal that she, like, turned her back on the, the empire. On, on the Mandalorians, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, she had the right to the dark saber and she gave it up. Yeah. And it was because of her returning the the dark saber that she wasn't as looked down upon anymore. I'm not remembering these episodes very clearly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, don't <laughs> know. You know I, I do remember, yeah, because she proved her worth to wield the dark saber, but then she gave it to Bo Katan because she, like, Sabine wasn't ready to rule to take on that that mantle, so she gave it to Bo Katan instead. Yeah. And is there is there regret then because of the purge that she could have done something and she wasn't there? Yeah. We, we still need to know what this purge is. I'm, yeah. Maybe we'll get some more info in season two, but, but I, I want to jump into the other clip real quick. So this is a, uh, this is a clip from the last episode of season one in which Mando, uh, Cara Dune, baby Yoda and grief Karga all go their separate ways. And I think it does give us, a little bit of insight into where we can find our characters in season two. So let's go ahead and take a listen. That was impressive, Mando. Very impressive. It looks like your guild rates have just gone up. Any more stormtroopers? I think we cleaned up the town. I'm thinking of staying around just to be sure. You're staying here? Well, why not? Navarro is a very fine planet. And now that the scum and villainy have been washed away, it's very respectable again. Has a bounty hunter hive? Some of my favorite people are bounty hunters. And perhaps this specimen of soldier might consider joining our ranks. Yeah, I've got some clerical concerns regarding my chain code. And if you would agree to become my enforcer, clerical concerns would be the least of your worries. But you, my friend... You will be welcome back into the guild with open arms. So go off, enjoy yourself. And when you're ready to return, you will have the pick of all quarries. I'm afraid I have more pressing matters at hand. Take care of this little one. Or maybe it'll take care of you. There's that <laughs> so, so do you think? So it sounds like Grief Karga and Cara Dune are basically hanging out together from now on, and we kind of get a little maybe glimpse of that in the season two trailer. But but does that mean Cara Dune is now Grief Karga's enforcer? Do you think that's what's going on? It sounded like she, yeah. I I mean, if enforcer is like a bodyguard, that's kind of what it sounded to me because she didn't seem inclined to like full on become a bounty hunter. But she's like, yeah, I'll watch your back, make sure the troopers don't come back or whatever, you know. Well, not only to me, yeah. Not only troopers, but bounty hunters can get out of hand. Yeah. So, the bounty hunter bouncer. <laughs> there yeah. you go. That's what she is. She's the bouncer for the bounty hunters. <laughs> That's crazy. And she could take them on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and in real life, too, okay, with her MMA so abilities. It, if I remember the story correctly, so she was told to drag the Mandalorian in to the building. And so she just grabbed him and did it. And everyone's like looking at her going, Yeah, the, the stunt people. <laughs> yeah the stunt people were prepared to do it for her and she just did it 
Yeah, she could. She, yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'll have a brain fart. Uh, Gina, Gina Carano. Yeah, she yeah. can do. She she could do a lot of that stuff for real. Yeah, there um, there was a meme like shortly after Mandalore, like she came on in the Mandalorian, appeared in the Mandalorian of her being like the next Disney princess, and I was like, <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs> I fully support yeah, her I'm Disney like, princess. I, I like this Disney princess. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm. I'm kind of assuming everybody knows that she was uh, in mixed martial arts and fought in the, you know, UFC type stuff all the time. I don't know. I mean, you guys uh, knew that, right? Yeah. So she I was. Did not she was know the that. U- wow. That UFC. Oh yeah. She was also one of the gladiators for American well, Gladiator. Yeah, American Gladiators. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so you can uh, you can go to YouTube and you can find her uh, her mixed martial art fights. I mean, she's she she didn't do just like one or two. She did a good chunk of them, and she was a she was a pretty good fighter. Nice. So, so that that's why they brought her on is is uh, they wanted to bring people onto the show that uh, didn't have to fake being, uh, you know, freaking sweet, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be, being tough and all that. Oh, stuff. and I will like, say, like, like she does a great job acting. One of the things I loved is I didn't have to try and like make a stretch when I looked at her to think of her as someone as a fighter. And you have to do that with a lot of actresses because yes. they they don't cast a lot of actresses with physical strength. Like, okay, a lot of actresses have physical strength, but they're not. It's not. That's it's not, not what they make their money them. on. It's not who they are. Like I remember when yeah. we talked about when we did a Wonder Woman rewind, and you brought up that the Amazons are Olympic athletes. Like they were, they are Olympians. And I was just like, oh, like I never realized that, but it made sense because yeah. they, they, you know, that's them. And that's Cara, the actress for Kara Dunn. Like, yeah, it, it, yeah. Just like what you said, Amanda, like you don't have to stretch. It's like, nope, she's a fighter. Like she is naturally like that is her. That's because, she, that's because she actually is a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So, so, but it, okay, back to the clip. So it sounds like Grief Karga is setting up the guild again back in its place and getting business back as usual. So, some way, somehow, I guess in season two, Mando has to go back to them, uh, maybe get some help or get some bounties to, to cover expenses or something. I don't know. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm kind of excited to see yeah. where this takes us learn more about the purge yeah. and find out where we go from here. Yeah. 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 Anything, anything else about season one or season two coming up that we want to talk about? Anything else from uh Mandalorian season one, Jekka? Can we figure out a way to time travel to October 30th? <laughs> like can we do no, that? no, I need to get my kids costumes. I can't go that fast. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. But that's the thing. You just pop ahead, watch like the episode, and then come back. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, hey, folks. Thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Please hit that podcast subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you find us hey next week we are going to be talking the terminator that's right the first film terminator one so make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on the terminator at anchor.fm slash super nerd podcast and you just might be featured on our upcoming show 
You can also email us your thoughts on Terminator at supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Super Nerd Podcast. Please give us a like, give us a share, and tell a friend about us. But from all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Catch you later.